John. <laughs> hey, Jenna. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. So we just did this, We I think. did just do yeah. this. We might be recording a few of these at a time. Good. But right now we wanted to talk about barriers to feedback. Mm-hmm. They're extremely well described in the literature going back forever. This is both in medicine and in non-medical settings. This is universal to feedback. And there's not a lot to talk about here, but I think it's important that we all just have a baseline understanding of what the barriers are. For feedback so I think the first barrier is time yeah right and so when I tell you that that's a barrier what does that what does that bring up in your head uh, yeah I mean I think it's difficult when things are busy to carve time you know ample time whether it's just a few seconds or a few minutes to really give the feedback that we that our residents crave taking the time taking one to two minutes here trying to steal that time away from like patient care. And I know that clearly our attendants feel the push. Like if there are charts in that rack, nobody really wants to be the one to like sit down and take a couple minutes. So I think time is, when you you talk about time, I think that's what you're talking about is really just getting out of that mindset that like we can take five minutes, you know, before we pick up the next chart. Find time to be a huge factor and we are pulled, and as, as all clinicians are, <clears throat> excuse me, right now, they're pulled across the hospital system, pulled in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. And we have the benefit of the fact that we are with our learners for eight hours at a time. Okay. So mm-hmm. at least we have, compared to other services, we have a tremendous amount of time right. with them. We just don't have a lot of time to actually give directed feedback. But if you're on other services, you might only have, you know, a two-hour interaction with that resident on any given day when you're on service. Absolutely. So I, I, finding the time in those situations, I think, would probably be extremely difficult. Feedback is not part of your institutional or your departmental culture. I think this becomes an even bigger barrier. I think here we have just hit on this so many times that our faculty sometimes are really annoyed when we give another podcast on feedback. Uh, but at least it's a part of our psyche and it's always in the back of our head that, oh, that's something I should be doing. But if you're in a department where feedback is not part of the culture, this is going to be a huge barrier because nobody, even though it doesn't take a lot of time to do it, as we know, people are going to feel like it takes a lot of time. And so they're going to identify time as a major barrier. Um, The other major barrier that we have is like our, our environment and where we actually give feedback. And so I think this is an issue everywhere. There are very few private spaces, particularly in our emergency department. There's always a nurse, a pharmacist, a patient, a tech, another attending, another resident. There are patients lining our hallways. So I think that there a big barrier is just our environment. Yeah, I mean, we constantly like when we do when we do have issues in the office. Like you know, I mean, our residents are always like, listen. I didn't think it was appropriate for so-and-so to give me feedback in the core in front of everybody else. And that's always what our residents are concerned about. It's that perception like, hey, you know, sometimes they feel like if they get feedback in front of somebody else, they're being sort of chastised or, you know, and and I know that's not the intent, but, you know, it is difficult often to find some space when when you're trying to deliver feedback that uh, may be difficult. The um, other area where we find is a really big barrier is that we lack the skills, which mm-hmm. is a big reason why we're doing all these podcasts. We all went to medical school. We right. did not 
get educated in sociology and psychology and we've never really been taught any of these skills of how to give feedback or how to respond to feedback or what are the appropriate ways to give feedback which is a big part of what faculty development is about but I think that we you know if you find the time and if you find the space then you get into a situation where you're like I have no idea what I'm doing and that is that's really challenging and that would be it is sometimes even intimidating for me and you are so well-intentioned but then you look around and you feel like you lack the skills and that's not your fault we do not teach that in medicine at all I think that you know part of the reason for these podcasts is to sort of empower you know empower us to go out and feel comfortable I mean think about all those times that we educate our, pay, our, our patients about something like I know that we're not all teachers and we didn't go to school to be teachers but yet we feel very comfortable talking about medicine to our patients and we talk to them sometimes ad nauseum yet when we somehow you know like experience a resident doing x y and z whether it's a chest tube or a, whatever it happens to be for some reason we just we, we can't describe what we want them to do and yet we've been doing these procedures all of our sort of attending lives or all of our you know residency lives and and so it's very odd so i think you know part of the part of this is just empowering people to understand that they do have the skills the, the empowerment of our clinical faculty our academic faculty to understand that they they are you know good teachers and can 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 really you know talk to the residents in a way that's valuable um that's the whole purpose of these these feedback talks so and when i think about skills i actually this is a shout out for the Mm -hmm. national vital talk program which has to do with um, end of life conversations and breaking bad news and we recently trained all our faculty around these skill sets and everyone walked away thinking, oh my gosh, now I have a roadmap for what to do when I have these conversations that I've been having my whole career. And that's very similar to what we kind of hope to give to you as well because, you know, we do lack the skills and we feel like we're making it up as we go along. And I don't think that's fair to any of us and certainly a barrier. The other barrier that I see that's pretty well described is that nobody wants to go out on a limb. Right. And so... You have a learner or a resident who you maybe don't have the greatest clinical interaction with, and you think to yourself, it's just me. I'm having a bad day. They're having a bad day. I'm definitely not going to put this down on paper or anywhere that you know could be damaging to this resident because I like them as a person or whatever it happens to be. And you decide not to describe what you see because you don't want to be the one that is, you know, out on the limb. And therefore, that feedback never gets spoken. And I think that that's a really big barrier and extremely frustrating for our residents. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, I, you, and this sort of leads right into that, you know, collegiality or connected piece. Like, you know, you never want to seem like you're that person that's hard to work with or, you know, for some reason just you know, gives bad feedback all the time. And so I, I think people are very reluctant to actually give the feedback that matters, you know, for, for that reason. I think also, I, you know, we work in a world where we have 60 plus residents um, and we have 70 attendings. And so our residents are constantly working with somebody different and vice versa. Our attendings are constantly working with, with folks who are different. And so, um, you know, we, we used to have this feeling of like camaraderie and connectedness and, and, and we've gotten a little bit away from that just because of the sheer numbers of attendings and residents. And, and, and so, you know, I think that probably also lends itself to a little bit of this problem. So again, just 
you know, educating and empowering people to understand that, that yeah, I know it seems like it's, it's difficult sometimes to go out there and go out on that limb and, and offer a suggestion to a resident, but, but, but we definitely all have the skills and we all have, you know, kind of the knowledge. It's just a matter of feeling comfortable doing it. So that's the purpose of some of these feedback talks is to really become comfortable with understanding what feedback is, how to give it, and, and, and go from there so that we don't often feel like we're going out on a limb. I also think, too, have a little bit of faith in Mm -hmm. your department leadership or your residency leadership, whichever it may be, because we get all that feedback and we uh, take it all into account. And so when we are looking at 75 pieces of data, it's very easy to pick out trends Mm -hmm. and it's very easy to pick out something that looks like it was just a bad shift or a bad interaction or two people kind of don't didn't really get off on the right, right foot. And so it's it's easier if I have all of it to kind of make that assessment than if we just kind of have one or two random pieces of data and that's all I have, mm-hmm. that's all I have to go on. So, you know, I would hope that our faculty here uh, understand that, that, you know, no one piece is, is kind of quote unquote damaging to somebody that we really take it all into account and right. look for themes. Mm-hmm. And I hope that wherever anybody else works that they're in that boat as well. And if you're not, that's probably something that should be talked about sure. um, and thought about kind of the structure around how feedback is compiled at your institution and then acted upon. Yeah. And then the last barrier that we wanted to talk about was relationships. Right. And you just alluded to yeah. that a little bit. but. It's really well documented in the literature that relationships and having good relationships or any relationships with between givers and receivers of feedback right. is critical to having that feedback be acted upon and resulting in meaningful change. This has been a huge challenge for us and I think is getting harder and harder. Our group has grown massively in the last five years. We're staffing more hospitals than we ever have before. Our residency size has stayed the same. Uh, but we, you know, you're right. Like, you've been here a lot longer than I, a lot longer right. than I have been. Right. And uh, the, the time was different, right? Mm-hmm. There were less faculty. There were more interactions between the faculty and the residents. Mm-hmm. People didn't live as far away. Some of our faculty live a good hour away. Mm-hmm. So getting them to come to social events is very difficult. Same with our residents. Some of our residents live really far away. And I don't think we have a good solution to this challenge. No, I mean, I I agree 100%. I mean, I think it just goes back to sort of, you know, understanding, you know, kind of what you already talked about in terms of, like, you know, trends. Like, the the more that we're comfortable, regardless of how often we see our residents or how often, you know, we're, we're out socially with them, I think as long as they view us as somebody who's legitimate and good at what they do, and then I think that, that that frees us up a little bit to go ahead and go out on the limb and understand that we're not really going out on the limb. We're just providing sort of, you know, uh, some feedback. And, and, and then on the back end, you know, we in the office are able to sort of discern like, okay, well, we got that feedback and we, we are glad we got that feedback, but maybe it's just, you know, it just happened to do with the shift that day, or maybe there is a trend and then we can sort of act on the trend. So I think, um, I mean, I do, I do think that that sort of, uh, that connectedness piece is, is difficult and it's going to continue to be a challenge because, you know, not only is the group big, the group is young. And, and, and those are sometimes barriers that we can't necessarily overcome. 
I think what we hope to do with all this is just to make sure that we sort of disseminate the information, give the tools, so when you feel comfortable giving feedback, you can do so in a, in a manner that's productive. Yeah, and I would say as an attending, knowing that this is a barrier, maybe try and go to that extra step when you're on shift. And that time we do have together, we are fortunate. We have eight hours with our residents, which mm-hmm. is more than a lot of other yeah. services have, to use that time wisely to try to get to know them because yeah. I think it'll go a long way if and when they need mentorship and if and when you have some feedback that you want to give that's a little bit more constructive. Right. And I would say if you're like the one resident listening to this, uh, I would say the the reverse is true too. Like try to get to know your attendees, try and understand them. They have a whole world outside of here as well. And you might find a lot of commonality and common interest too. And, and that, you know, it's a small thing, but it might just help alleviate mm-hmm. that barrier mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, I think those are probably the biggest barriers that are described out in the literature. And those are probably the biggest ones that affect us in the clinical arena as well. Yeah. Again, there's there's not a whole lot here except to describe the barriers. I think it's just important that we know that they're there, understand that they're there. They're never going away. Mm-hmm. You are never going to find a perfect situation. And so just know that every time you are in a, a feedback situation that you're constantly going to be navigating this. Anything else you want to add to that? No. Uh, it's you know short and sweet and to the point. And, um,